You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. Thank you, guys. Truly, thank you so much. Um, I was letting Pastor Ben know that it was raining when I woke up this morning, so when I walked in... The bottom of these boots are worn out, so my socks are soaking wet. Uh, uh, in Sweden, there's a lot of cobblestone roads and stuff, uh, so I've walked many a places. Um, yeah, uh, this morning, I want to talk about a very stressful part of everyone's day on the road, right? Uh, driving, we all drive quite a bit. Uh, and for some people, it's a nightmare. For other people, it's a good time. You sit back, you watch YouTube, and it's not a problem. Uh, I don't do that, of course. Uh, but I wanted to ask you this morning, what kind of driver are you, right? Are you a speeder? Pastor Ben's a speeder. I'm a speeder, too. I drive fast no matter what I'm doing. Uh, pedal to the metal. I want to feel something. Are you a slower? It's the opposite of a speeder. I don't know the scientific term, uh, but it's someone who goes slow, very slow. Uh, a rule breaker. Are you a rule breaker? That's me too. I, I don't stop at stop signs in uh, neighborhoods or Walmart parking lots. Um, Flashing lights, I'm like, I'm going right through. You guys better watch me. Uh, I get a lot of tickets. Um, a rule follower, maybe you're, you're like, I have to park. I can't park in the handicap. Uh, <laughs> a texter, a talker, a road rager, a stalker. Anyone? I had people follow me probably three hours just watching me the whole time. Uh, on the road, you will encounter many different people in many different situations. When I drive, a phenomenon happens when my wife is in the car. See, I, I'm a really, really good driver. I don't get really tickets or anything. When a cop pulls me over, I cry immediately. Um, and, uh, but when my wife's in the car... Uh, something happens. Uh, if you've ever seen a Transformer movie and they're trying to drive away and things are exploding everywhere and uh, that's what she sees when I'm driving, right? She sees horrible accidents ahead, and, but I have my dude goggles on and I think I'm James Bond and I'm zooming through the streets of Sweden and racing away from people who are trying to kill us. So... Uh, I need to remove my dude goggles and really understand that uh, the rest of my family is in horror when I drive. I need to slow down and follow the rules. Uh, as I was searching through scripture and studying uh, in the time I've been a Christian, um, there's been a few places that really stood out that gave me that moment of, what is this? I, I never realized that, that 
what they were talking about, right? Because I wasn't raised in church. I don't know if uh, you remember from last time, but uh, I became a Christian around 20 years old, nearly 21, from a very secular background. I'd never really even met a Christian before I, I became a Christian. And um, so when it came to reading the Bible, I was clueless. I, I knew how to read. Uh, I just... Reading the Bible is a totally different thing to truly understand it. Pastor Bobby on Tuesday has a class that I attended, and I love that class. Um, I, I can't be here every week, but I would be. Uh, but it tells you how to kind of understand what the Bible is and, and how to read through it. And um, I took a class similar to that in Bible college. Um, and at the end of it, I was totally confused the whole time. But at the end of it, when I went to scripture, I realized, wow, now I know what it's made of. Now I know I can understand it. I can read it. And it was, it was a glorious thing. I thought I wasn't getting anything out of the class. And then uh, this happened. There's a portion of scripture where Jesus talks about a road. And I want to turn your attention to that this morning real quick. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Luke 10, 25 um, is the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we'll continue on through like verse 37, but starting in 25, I want to read it through really quick so you understand if you've never heard the story before. Let's go through it. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side of the road. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I've read that scripture many times. And uh, I've heard it preached in different ways and in um, the surface meaning of it was, uh, you know, to uh, this, this whole 
section of scripture was so loaded because at the time, Samaritans were, were looked at as uh, lesser. And um, to be able to speak about that, there's so much you can get from this portion of scripture. But I want to focus on three things that I, I really came to understand when I understood one very important part of this was the road. So the first portion I want to talk to you about, uh, the first thing I think we can get out of this is the reason, right? We need to understand the reason. Uh, the second thing is the road. We'll focus on that. And then the third thing is the response. So let's take it one step at a time. The reason, in verse 25, I believe the reason was revealed uh, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. He said, teacher, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It seems that the reason for this conversation was to learn how he could inherit eternal life. Also to trap Jesus. But in our world today, and this is what I, I want you to understand, um, faith can and has to be reasonable. It absolutely can be, right? What I mean is this. We need to give people a reason to believe, and sometimes that's showing them through deductive reasoning. See, this is what Jesus did. He used something in that context, in that person's understanding, to give him the, a deeper understanding of what it meant. What are you looking for? Are you looking for eternal life? Are you truly looking for it? Because this is the way. And it's found in the story, right? Let me phrase what this man might have said in a different way. Surely there's nothing I need to do more because I'm good, right? To inherit eternal life. There's, I'm good. I'm a lawyer, I know God, I'm, I'm uh, ahead of my community. There's, I'm good, right? So Jesus breaks it down and says, hey, no, not necessarily. See, I wondered how we would minister to people in Sweden who, it's not a third world country. They don't need to dig a well. What are we going to do there, right? They would stand like this man and say, hey, I'm good, right? I've got I've got money, I've got everything I need, I'm not a bad father or husband, I'm good, right? I never killed anyone this week. Uh, to give an explanation of what we believe and why we should believe it is the best thing that we could do for people. Because that's what the Bible says isn't good enough for someone who doesn't take the Bible as an authority, right? If they don't believe in your God or your Jesus, they're not going to believe a book. So what do we do? We need to properly give them the good news. We need to learn, read our scriptures, go to Bobby's class. I'm sorry I keep plugging that in, but I really liked it. <laughs> While we were in Sweden, uh, I had a conversation with a group of uh, secular atheistic people who uh, they established this group because it was illegal for me to start a Christian group on campus. Um, 
it was against policy and they really there was laws and stuff it was weird um i wouldn't have necessarily gotten arrested but they would have shut us down pretty quick so the students uh one of them was a christian and the rest were all hardened atheists and they said we we want to hang out with you we want to connect with you but we don't want to talk about what you want to talk about when you come we'll think of the topic and present it to you when you show up so that you're not ready for it right because we had a conversation um when i was ready for it and i kind of dominated and i'm from louisiana so i never stopped talking uh and so we would do this there was a girl there her name was beata and beata would ask me probably the most pointed difficult questions she would hammer me uh cory what about this what about that and what about all the atrocities in the old testament and and god this is the character of god if god is real he's evil and he's this and he's that and i would i studied as hard as i could to learn what it meant to be a man of god to be a christian to be a follower of jesus and i also took the time to be able to know what I believe so that I could explain to her, hey, I went through these same questions. I had these same issues. And I don't have proof or an answer that would say, oh, well, here, you're stupid. This is the answer. I, ha I had a reasonable, logical answer that I would give her. And I'd say, this is what worked for me. Maybe it'll work for you. I'm not trying to. And I didn't notice, but over time, over the course of two years, it was working. And she didn't let up. But after we left, I found out she got baptized in the church and became a Christian. And uh, Beata is phenomenal. She is absolutely amazing. We were so excited about that. Um, but she would ask me really hard questions like, um, if God is so good, then why is there so much evil in the world? If, uh, why did God create us? You know, if God made man, who made God sort of things? And uh, Hitler, he was a painter. Do you like those paintings? And I'm like, oh, was, that last one was kind of weird. Uh, but we talked about that for hours. And I showed her through reasoning that, hey, we're all terrible people. And if you take... None is good. This is what scripture says. We've fallen short of the glory of God. And if you take every person that you idolize and you worship and you love, there is something about their life that you will be able to tear down. And then I took all her heroes and did that, and she was demolished, and I loved it. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely um, Amazing to read this story in the Bible, and I want to get back to it real quick, about the road. Um, let's continue in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of all of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed on the other side. I've read this story many, many times. Um, 
but I never understood the gravity of what Christ was saying until I looked at the road. Uh, even though the story was metaphorical, the road was real. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was fraught with danger. Um, in the time of the Romans, it was the way of blood. In the time of Jesus, uh, maybe I have those confused, it was the bloody pass. There were different names that they would call it because um, so often on this road, robbers and stuff would wait and they would attack. And they would steal or, or invading armies would know that that's a way in as well. So they would come. But this road was known for this sort of thing, and people had to travel down it. I wanted you to take a look at the road really quick. I have a slide, a picture of it, so that you could get a better understanding of what it looks like. Um, it blew me away. It was absolutely astounding. Because this will give you an understanding uh, that this was not Interstate 55 or whatever interstate I took here. Um, this is the road in Jesus' time. Maybe they paved it by then, uh, by this time. But this is the road during Jesus' time. It was a path, 30-something miles long, 300-foot cliffs, barely wide enough for a donkey to pass on. And most of it. When you think, when I read the story, I would think, oh, they just walked on the other side of the road, you know? Like, I can barely see the dead guy from here. That is not the case. They stepped over this man. The people listening to Jesus would have been appalled and gut-wrenched when they learned that, that the Levite and the other guy just stepped over him, over his body. There's no way you can miss that. You cannot avoid that. You have to deliberately step over him. I was, I was amazed. And I thought of all the people that I've stepped over. See, I learned something. I was talking to, uh, when, I, when I go through scripture and I read this stuff, I am so um, unequipped, I feel, in myself. So what I do is, is I call people who are smarter than me, and I say, hey, uh, could you give me a pointer on this? Am I being a heretic? What's happening here? Um, and I called Pastor Bobby, and I was like, hey, could you tell me anything about this? Am I... Am I getting this wrong? And he said, one thing I do know is that um, when they were, a lot of religious leaders lived in Jericho, and once a year they would come up to do their religious duties in the temple. So then that was a leeway, and that was like a, a path for me to take to study more. And what I learned was this, is that there were certain Levitical laws that applied to people, like you can't touch a dead body or someone uncleaned, but to these guys, it applied to them when they were going to work in the, in the temple. They had to be clean to work in the temple to do their religious duties. But when they were coming back home, 
they were set free from all of that. See, there was no reason. The people who were hearing Jesus would have understood. There was no reason for these guys to just walk past. They could have helped. They could have did something. So it it made the story mean even more to me. And I began to see through the eyes of the people who were listening, through the eyes of the lawyer whose intention was to trap Jesus, but then walked away with a secret to eternal life. I think there were, I, I break it down into three types of people that would have responded um, to Jesus when they heard this story. Number one, the person on the road. Right? In this crowd or whoever's hearing this, there was a person who would say, hey, I've been attacked on that road. I've been mauled. I've been, they've stolen everything from me. Maybe the one who passed by, number two, the one who passed by, right? And this is the thing. Life is complicated. It's not as simple as, hey, I see this homeless guy or I see this person hurting, and I can stop and I can do this. I have four kids. I can't stop for anything, right? I can't just pull over. I can't do this stuff. You know how many people I've passed on the interstate coming here? A lot. <laughs> Things are complicated. So maybe this Levite or this priest had so much going on. That they were like, I just, I'm sorry. I can't help you right now. I'm so sorry. I'm stepping over you, but I've got to go. I've got, you know, other things. My wife's pregnant, something. You know, uh, my house burned down, and I've got to go back. Things happen in life. That's understandable. You, you can't beat yourself up for that. So sometimes, but the fact of the matter is, is people are passed by when we could help. People are stepped over on purpose. I've done it. I'm guilty. Maybe it was the one who helped in the crowd. I imagine the person in the crowd who has a cart behind them and they're stacked with gear, medical equipment and all sorts of things and they're like, Hey, I got to go down that road every week, and I'm ready to help whoever I see. I'm prepared. I leave the house, and I'm prepared to talk to people about Jesus. I'm ready to help. In and out of season, to give my testimony, to speak to people who are hurting, who are dying, who are lost. I'm ready, right? If I have the keyboard player come up, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So we looked at the reason. Your faith needs to be reasonable. And it can be because right now, more than ever, you have more arguments and more things at your disposal than ever before to give people who don't believe a reason to believe. 
study scripture to find the roads, right? To learn these things. It, it opens your eyes and it's amazing. And also respond correctly, right? If your response isn't correctly, then pray to God to change that response. Say, God, I didn't do it right in the past, but every day is a new day with you. So I can respond differently today. When I walk out of here, I won't just walk over people. Two questions I have for you, and then I'm done. These are the questions that I pose to myself. What road am I on? So I want to tell you real quick about someone I met on the road to Sweden. Our plan was not to go to Sweden. Our plan was to be senior pastors somewhere. We were associate pastors, and it was kind of like the gradual next step. When God called us, we were sitting on our couch in our living room in our pajamas, me and my wife. And this happened, and it was overwhelming, and it was it didn't go away. I was like, no, it'll go away. Don't worry. We don't, we're not going to do this. You know, I don't know what that was. It was something else. It was from the devil. Um, but it didn't go away. It just kept going. You know, I didn't know what a calling was. I wasn't raised in church. I don't speak that language. So I'm like, yeah, I felt it. It was cool. It was great. But why not at a church service? Why not at, you know, why in my living room? So we went. And along the road, um, in Sweden, there were two rules before COVID, two social rules. If you're at a bus stop or, or a train station, you stand six feet from everyone else, and you don't talk to anyone. And if you get on the bus or the train, you sit by yourself. If someone sits next to you, you stand up and you stand in the aisle. And you don't need to talk to them. See, secularism makes people an island. The most important thing to them is their phone. Because your entire life is encompassed in who you have in your phone. And other people, they really can't add or take away from that. Right? So, I didn't follow those rules. <laughs> At first, it wasn't a gimmick. It was truly, I was lost. I didn't speak the language. I didn't know the neighborhood. So, I would ask people all the time, hey, excuse me, could you help me? I'm so lost right now. I don't know where my kids are. Um, and they'd say, Oh, boy, yes, I will help you. And um, But then I realized, hey, I just had this amazing conversation with this person who's helped me, and now they're coming to church on Sundays, and I better be there because they said, hey, we're coming to hang out with you. So I'm like, all right, I got to go to church every Sunday. Um, so I'm at the bus stop, and there's a Muslim lady here, and she's all covered up, and I can't talk to her. I lived in that Arab uh, neighborhood. And she'll get in trouble if I talk to her. But there was this Swedish boy there. He was handsome, tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. And um, I said, hey, excuse me. Could you tell me if this bus goes to the center of town? And he explains to me, well, I'm late for school, but I think the next one does because that's the one I'm going to be on. And uh, I said, thank you. We just moved here from America. And uh, I have no idea, you know, uh, still figuring things out. And he says, what are you doing here? So I thought, ah, yeah, I gotcha. 
So I start telling them what we're doing here. And I, I don't say anything about Christianity or anything. I just say, we're here helping young adults and university students manage their life. Because it's difficult being an adult. And suicide is so prevalent here. And depression, because it's dark three months out of the year. So we're helping them figure this stuff out, right? And uh, he was amazed. He was like, man, it's so cool. He's like, oh, how was America? He's asking me all these questions. I start asking him questions. We talk. We get on the bus. I walk all the way to the back, sit down. He does something very unSwedish. He sits right next to me. No one else on the bus except this other lady. We talk all the way into town. We get down, and we're walking in the same direction. Because his gymnasium, his high school, is right next to the church a few blocks. So we're walking in the same direction, and we're about to part ways. And he says to me, I want to thank you for talking to me. And I said, hey, you helped me out, you know. And he said, no, you don't understand. He said, no one has talked to me in nearly two years. And I was like, what? Like, Nothing wrong with this person. If he had a weird laugh or a voice, you know, I don't know. And he was like, I don't know why. He said, my parents got divorced five years ago. That was fine. It wasn't that big, that impactful. Um, I had a few friends at school, but they left uh, school. And over the past year and a half or so, I go home don't talk to my mom. I go to school. Teachers don't talk to me. He said, last night I tried to kill myself. I ate a bunch of pills. And he said, it didn't work. I don't know why it didn't work. He said, um, today I was going to go to school and then walk into the river. Uh, the river is this frozen river in, in the middle of the city that they walk into and in minutes they're dead. He said, but I'm not going to because you talked to me. And I was floored. We had only been there a few months, and I didn't realize I was going to run into this. And I said, Hampus. His name was Hampus. I said, dude, I'm going to mess up your week. I'm going to come to you anytime, anything you need. I'm here. This is why I came. I said, I didn't say it before, but I'm part of being Shirkin, the church. And I said, I'm here as a, as a missionary kind of a pastor. And I said, but I don't want to force that on you. I just want to let you know that I care about you. I love you. And you don't have to do that. And he's like, no, I'm not going to. He's like, you talked to me. I, I didn't realize that I thought I was dead already. So I said, hey. Uh, I'll, I'll mess up your week. We continued to communicate. I would show up at his high school, knock on the door in the middle of class, say, let's go get lunch. And, and he would awkwardly walk out. And uh, we became really close, good friends. He's 19 years old now. He's a part of our group. He's phenomenal. I think he has a girlfriend, I hope. Um, I hope everything's good, too, like Christian. Um, but I would ask you, what road are you on? And who's your neighbor? If you need prayer about these things, understand that when you're out on the road, when you're out of here, when you're doing your thing, when you're at home by yourself locked in with COVID, you're still on a road. You're on a path of life. You're alive. You have breath in your lungs. And there are people that you shouldn't walk over. 
Because you have something that the world doesn't have. Right? Then begin to recognize who your neighbor is. Be a good neighbor. These people are broken and they're hurting. And they just need you to pick them up. Be prepared to help. Be ready to heal. That's what I would ask you. And if you say, hey, I don't know if I can do that. I'm so shy, I can't talk to people. There's somebody, there's something. God is going to use you for his plan, his purpose. It's higher than all of ours. Don't lose faith. Don't give up. You're on a road. You're not going to leave a road. We're all on this path. And it's going to collide with other people eventually. I'm so thankful that mine led me here today um, to be with you guys, truly. This isn't cliche. I don't do that. I love you guys. You have sent us. You have backed us up. You have made us and given us the ability to be able to meet these people on the road, to love our neighbors. God remembers Sweden. He remembers you. Let me pray over you. If you need prayer, me and Pastor Ben, when the band comes up, we'll, we'll pray for you. Father, we thank you. We come to you. In Jesus' holy name, we agree that you are the one who builds these roads, oh God. You collide our paths and you bring us together. Father, I pray right now that in our lives we would begin to recognize the ones we've stepped over deliberately, oh God. That we would begin to pray for our neighbor. Reach out and be prepared to heal. Be ready to work. I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do today. And for the rest of this year, it is a new year and a new life. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Corey, for challenging us today. What an appropriate message for the week leading up to Easter. Hearing the story of hemp, hempish, hempus. We all will have opportunity this week to make Jesus known. I was reading a book this week on Monday or Tuesday. I was uh, in Gold Lake on a little retreat. And maybe you've heard the phrase like, you know, you can tell people about Jesus just by the way you act. Like, use words only when necessary. And, uh, and, and there's something to that. Our actions should mean something. We should be engaged. You know, our, our example is important. But the author of this book was saying, for goodness sakes, open up your mouth. Tell people about Jesus. <laughs> like, we have a responsibility whether that's at the grocery store or the gas pump, you're out to eat, co-workers, family members, this week we are all on a road to use 
the illustration this morning. And for goodness sakes, let's not step over people. Let's stop. Let's use our words. Let's tell them about Jesus. Let's encourage them along. We're believing for the greatest Easter we've ever experienced at the Gateway Church. And you're a part of that. And we want you to be here. And, uh, and so we're, we're grateful for that. Father, this morning as we leave, we're challenged by this thought. What road are we on? Who's our neighbor? And Lord, you've called us, like Pastor Corey said, to heal, to help, to be a light. And Lord, I pray that you would just burn it in our hearts today, that, that this week as we go, Lord, we are your representative. We've been saying here at the Gateway Church that, Lord, when you, if you're looking for someone to use on the lakeshore, stop here. Use us. Use me, Lord. And I pray that that would be more evident this week than ever before. And I pray for great harvest in this season. Lord, that you'd pour out your power. There would be incredible fruitfulness because of your people lifting up your name. We pray these things. And now I pray as we go, that you go before us, behind us, and all around us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and amen. We're so grateful that you're here. Thank you for joining us. Meet Corey out in the lobby and uh, greet him for sure. And uh, give him a few bucks for a pair of boots and whatever the shortfall is, Jessica and I will fit and figure it out. <laughs> God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.com church.